Corey, are you turning that lion roar up every week? Okay, Amanda, what was your favorite song? I'll Fly Away. What was your least favorite song? I messed up that second one pretty bad. Third one, third one. So there's no question. I've never heard of that song, There's No Question. There's no question Amanda needs some better taste in music today. Just kidding, we love you. If you are new, um, welcome. My name is Ryan, and I'm normally just the preaching guy. I don't do the music thing, but I've been wanting to give Ree some help because she's, her and Eric, the bass player, um, have been fostering kids. They started fostering two kids for a long weekend, and that was two years ago. They still have these two kids that they started fostering for a weekend two years ago, and then they added a little girl, the sister of... Uh, those boys who we prayed for in the beginning and I talked to you guys about so I wanted to give Rhea a little bit of a reprieve to be able to f be free and dance and sing Next time Rhea, I'm gonna let you choose the dancing songs um, If you have the Bible app, I would encourage you to get that out If you don't know how to use the Bible app, I put out a three-minute tutorial where I accidentally invited Abby um, Southwick to a reading plan just as part of the tutorial because her name is a B B Y So she's the first person on all of my friends lists and she accepted it and she's in the back in nursery today, and she thought that, she's like, why is the pastor singling me out to read a Bible reading plan? So she said when she woke up this morning, she got her Bible app out, and she read the reading plan. Uh, the reason why I tell you this uh, is because there's events. If you click on the bottom right under more, you can see where it says events, and it brings up the chapel right on top because we're sitting here. Also, if you have been accustomed to, as we all are, going to a restaurant and you have to scan a QR code, the QR codes that are in the lobby on those tables will take you right to the Bible event. So even if you don't have the Bible app, it will just open the event on a web page where you can see the connect card. You can touch on that section. You can add your own notes during service and save them for later. Uh, and they tie in with the whole Bible app. Across the Bible app, it's a 100% free app uh, created by Life Church with uh, Pastor Craig. And it's amazing because they put tons and tons of money into this app and they make it all free because they want people to get the word of God. So this morning we're going to be in Daniel uh, chapter 5 verse 13. If you're just joining us, we're going through the book of Daniel, we go through books of the Bible because it makes it so we can't avoid certain topics. And the topic that has been getting hit again and again and again and again and again and again in Daniel is pride. First, it's Nebuchadnezzar's pride. He takes the young Jewish boys captive and the nobles and the arts people and the business leaders. He takes 10,000 of them and he says, we're going to re-educate you. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are among those people. The book is called the book of Daniel, because he is the primary prophet that runs through it, but there's plenty of stories from other people. And as we are coming to this point of Daniel in the middle, toward the middle of the book, I need you to see a pattern that's emerging here. You have, for example, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and then Daniel gives the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar repents and says, your God is better, and then Nebuchadnezzar goes back to his pride. And then you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where Nebuchadnezzar says, set up a golden statue and everyone must bow down or they're thrown into the fire. We know this from Sunday school, right? And they throw, get thrown into the fire and what do we see? There's not three, but how many? Four, common core go. And then Belshazzar, the, the lineage of Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel went from being a young man in chapter four to an old man now in chapter five, and it's gonna go back again just to confuse us even more. And that's the amazing thing about the Bible is that sometimes if you're just reading through it and you're not paying attention, you, you might just read this and be like, wait a second, 
This king just died. Why does he pop up again in a few chapters? Because the person who organized Daniel's book wanted us to see something in a particular pattern, wanted us to know something. And this section is wrapping up the pride section. So verse 13, if you're following along in your Bible app or in your paper Bibles, which I prefer, by the way, we were having a worship discussion during rehearsal and technology wasn't working. And Eric said, I can't transpose this to another chord sheet. And Gary said, I lost all of my electric notes when I switched over the thing and I have paper. Um, and I said, that's why paper is good. But here I am, paperless up here. Daniel. Daniel was brought in before the king to interpret this message because Belshazzar was drinking out of the cups from the Lord's temple. He had taken them to Babylon and they were partying saying, we are going to spit in the face of this God by drinking and toasting to our gods. And the hand appeared and it wrote something. And this is the second part of that story to determine what the hand wrote and what it means. Verse 13, we're going to read a large section of scripture. Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you, that the spirit of the gods is in you. It's already wrong. It's the spirit of the God, but he doesn't know this because in their culture, it was odd to have one God, as it somewhat is in ours now. The spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make, it, make its interpretation known to me, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple royalty and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. I love how Daniel answers. I picture him with a bit of a, like, chest up here. Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself. That's probably not what he sounded like. Let your gifts be for yourself. Give your reward to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to you the interpretation. It's, we just forget that the Bible's amazing. We forget that these are weird things happening. After last week's sermon, there were, me and my, my boys and I have weird conversations sometimes. What would it be like if a hand popped out? What would you think if a hand just zoomed out of the air? And then we started playing um, Dungeons and Dragons. And one of my kids, I know if you grew up in the church in the 80s, it's basically devil worship, but it's okay. Silas is a paladin. That's like a warrior for good, okay? Um, Jackson's character, Talaka, is basically a demon. So that's his issue, not mine as a parent, okay? But one of them has a, a magic hand. It's a spell where you cast a hand and it can fly where you tell it to fly and do something that you tell it to do. And it's so funny to me because I'm just reading Dungeons and Dragons and my son Jackson, who watches more shows and movies, says, oh, and plays Minecraft. He goes, oh, that's where Minecraft got it from. That's where Minecraft got it from because we're learning about these things that have existed for 40 years in this table game. But then when you see things like the magic hand, you realize that Dungeons and Dragons was plagiarizing the Bible in the 70s. Oh, that's where they got the flying hand thing from. Oh, that's where they got kings and all these wild beasts that will tear people limb from limb. That's where they got strongmen who pull down pillars from. We just read the Bible and it's like, meh, I get it. But what if this was the message that God said to you? Because this is the translation in verse 25 
This is what the writing was inscribed. For those of you who think that God speaks or writes in English, never has he once, that I'm aware of, written something in English with his hand. He wrote on tablets in the book of Exodus, and he writes on this wall, many, many, tekel, parson, the interpretation of this manner. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. This is important because we're about to jump from this section, we're going to begin jumping down the diving board where it spring loads us into Daniel's views of the end times. Your kingdom is coming to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Peres, your kingdom is divided and will be given to the Medes and the Persians. And look at how this story ends in verse 30. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. That night. Let's play this in our heads. Writing on the wall. Says something weird. I don't know what it says. Go find somebody. Somebody comes in named Daniel. Old guy now, probably 80 or so. Says, I'll tell you what it means. Your, king, your days are numbered. Your kingdom's coming to an end. It's going to be given over to someone else. You've been weighed. You've been balanced. You've fallen short, my guy. That night he dies. We just don't see that anymore. I know some people pray like that for our politicians, depending on which cycle we're in. Every kingdom will come to an end. And God will weigh and balance every person in every kingdom. The pride is what led to Belshazzar's demise. Pride. The title of the message is putting away pride. Because here's what we see in the Bible over and over and over again. Pride, if you don't know this, was what caused Lucifer, we may know him as Satan or the devil, the accuser, the deceiver in Ezekiel chapter 28 says that Lucifer, the morning star, was second only to God. And he was walking on God's mountain and he saw God with no veil between him. But then he saw himself and said, I want to be like him. And then we know the story. He gets thrown down and a third of the angelic host apparently thought that was a good plan because they went with him. We know them as evil spirits today. And then the Garden of Eden, Satan, Lucifer, the deceiver, had already fallen. What does he tempt Adam and Eve with? If you eat this, you can be like who? God. Pride is at the root of every single sin that you and I commit. There is not one exception. Adultery, thieving, cheating on your taxes, cutting somebody off, screaming on the cellman at 8.45 in the morning. Like all of these things are rooted in pride. If you follow the root system of every brokenness in humanity, every war, every famine, it's all coming down to pride. Either Satan's pride, humanity's pride, or our personal pride. In marriage, pride is destructive. In parenting, pride is destructive. In businesses, pride is destructive. And you, we've all seen it play out over and over and over again. I just have a few verses that I want to read. These are in the Bible app notes if you have it. Where does pride lead? Pride leads to disgrace. Proverbs eleven twelve says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Pride brings us down. So Proverbs 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Pride is the prequel to destruction, much like the Star Wars saga. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride's uh, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. 
Pride is the road on which evil travels. It's Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate, the Lord says. Pride does not seek God. That's Psalm 10.4. In, in the pride of his face, the wicked do not seek him. I can't even read these because it's so convicting to me. Me preaching about pride is like a kettle preaching about a kettle, calling the kettle a kettle. Okay? Romans chapters 1 to 3 shreds any ability for any one of us to prove ourselves. Can, is there a light ladder in there? Is there a small ladder or are there only big ladders in there? Can you get a light ladder for me? I think you're the only one that, I mean, you're strong. You could hoist it up. I need a ladder because this is the addiction that we're, we're stuck on. Can, can somebody here tell me that they are a holy person? Who's a holy person here? Raise your hand if you're a holy person. H-O-L-Y. One person? Eric. Why are you raising your hand, Eric, and no one else is? Yeah, I didn't set you up to raise your hand. I just told you before the service, Eric, you are holy. God has made us holy. Because of what? Because of Jesus. Does it have anything to do with you? Does it have anything to do with how much you read or pray or attend or lead or serve or sing? Okay. This is the problem with pride. And if you want to destroy pride, I just needed a ladder. And I didn't know if it was a big one or a small one, but I know Corey's strong and he could get any of them out. Because we're addicted to this. And if we don't get this through our head, no sin will be remedied. Because our pride will find another patch of soil in our soul to root up a new sin. Just come up here and set it up for me. You don't have to hold it. If I fall, I fall. I think we have insurance still. Edwin, did we pay our last insurance bill for accidental insurance? Okay. Thank you, Corey. Say hi to the stream. You're on live stream. Say hi. Okay. This is us. Pride. In us, religious folk, will do this. God's up there. I read my Bible. I must be better. I prayed. I must be getting better. I attended a Bible study at microchurch. I must be better. I am going to go and lead on the worship team. I am going to be an elder or deacon. I am Are you guys getting scared? I got two more. Okay, I just wanted to scare the moms. And you're like, you're thinking, Ryan, why are you being so dumb and careless? What if you died in front of all these people? What if you died on live stream? Guess what I'm watching every single week? I'm watching Christians flounder in pride because we can't admit how broken we are. And we think somewhere in our mind that we have to climb this ladder. And I know this is what I get in trouble with. This is my thing that I get in trouble for as a preacher. But the Bible tells me, that we who are in Christ, we're dead. It is no longer Ryan Tyrone who lives, but Christ lives in me. Christ paid for me. And the, the secret, the recipe for defeating every sin, and just pick one thing that's in your life right now. You could pick one sin. Maybe the sin is like, I'm an idiot husband. I'm a terrible dad. I've been cheating over here. I've been stealing this. I've been thinking. I've been judging others. I look at people and I just think, how could they be so dumb? All we're doing is we're elevating ourselves, and, and it makes us feel better because your view gets a little bit different. But until you can admit, until you can say out loud, God, I am a pride-filled person. I want to be you. 
I want to be the one that can dole out judgment. I want to be the one that knows everything that's right and wrong, and I am the king of all knowledge. We would never say that, but it's what we functionally do. And in Christianity, it's hard because when I say things like, you are holy, we're all on this spiritual ladder. We're all we're trying to get better for God here. And we think if we just go to that one thing or say this one thing or pray this one thing, then we get, and God makes us holier. It's hard for Christians to say this, but you are holy. Not because of anything you did. You actually, without Jesus, are a terrible human being. Like a train wreck. Garbage. You're worse than garbage. You're garbage in a garbage disposal that's been poured into the garbage. But we still try to hide we present our best version of ourselves because we're on, addicted to this ladder. We're addicted to earning so that people see, look at, look at them. Look at how good they are. Look at how good they are. They're so good. They're such a good Christian. You're only a good Christian because of Christ in you. The recipe to defeating pride is first saying, I literally cannot make the first step, the first rung toward God. I can't do anything. I have to die. Jesus says it. If you want to, um, it's him who loses his life. We'll save it. That's why Jesus says, take up your cross and deny yourself. That means die to yourself, deny yourself, and then you find life. But we're so caught in the middle of this pride trap that says, but what if I just let out all of who I am? What if I just, if I just show people who I really am, will they still like me? That's scary sometimes. My wife, like she sees the all of me. On a scale of 1 to 10, babe, how inappropriate can I be at times when we're just having pillow talk? 12? I said a scale of 1 to 10. You're younger than me. You clearly learned math from Common Core. Back in the olden days, we followed math rules. I, I just, it just comes out of my mouth. And you're like, well, why aren't you that way around me? Because I don't trust you. Because we're all, including me, are addicted to this ladder. The first way to solve the problem of pride is to put it into perspective. There are things practically that you can do. You do things for others more than yourself. And for working definition, pride is this. I want to take part of job's description and put it on my job description. That's a very baseline level. I want to take, this is what God says he does. I want to do that. Humility, on the other hand, we've, we've been tricked into thinking, and I've said this multiple times, so if you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard this. We've been tricked into thinking that humility is like self-deprecation, beating yourself up. How could I lash myself? Humility is not primarily that. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less often. That's C.S. Lewis. So we have the practical things. Build others up. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Stop believing the lie. If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Don't believe the lie about yourselves. You're not the, I have a, I have a wager with an old British friend, um, Aiden, and he told me if I use these phrases in a sermon, then, um, then he'll give me like a dollar or five bucks, whatever it was. There's no, oh, there are British people here. Okay. I apologize, Dickenses. You're not the mutt's nuts. You're not the dog's bollocks. You're not the bee's knees. The moment you think you're something, you're nothing. Do you see why he pays me now, Harry? Because it's, I'm, I don't know what those even mean, to be honest. The Bible says, don't talk yourself up in Proverbs 27.2. Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. If you're praising yourself, if you're saying, well, I am smart, I am good at this, I am the best, don't do that. Just let other people do it. It doesn't mean that they're not true. 
But what we are addicted to is this ladder because if we can prove ourselves, we're all on this journey to do something that God created us to do. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be worthy. And we think that if we can climb this ladder in church culture, it makes us more of those things. I'm here to tell you that you are loved and worthy totally 100% irregardless. The reason it's so hard is because as much as we want to say things like to our spouse or our children, I love you unconditionally, the truth is every relationship in the human experience that we can look at has conditions. You might say, well, not me. I'd never give up on my kids. I'd never give up on my spouse. I've heard people say it, and I've watched it happen a million times over. I'm not saying that you would personally, but I'm saying it, that you're, you're capable. You are, in the words of uh, Eric Young, one step away from stupid. The reason why it's so hard to believe the unconditional love of Jesus is because we live in a very conditional love world. And you can't, we can't fathom that someone could know everything that Ryan Tarona says, and if you think I'm not even filtering for my wife, you're out of your mind. So my brain is on overdrive, thinking, cranking things out that are, that I think, like, what is that even going on in there for? And then my wife gets the bulk of it. Here's what's going on in my mind. And she rolls her eyes. She says, why? Oh, don't stop. Be quiet. How could you? And then I begin to train myself. Don't say those things out loud. Because if she gets offended or hurt or thinks it's weird or crazy, then what are other people that don't love me going to think? God sees every moment of you. He sees the Romans chapter 3 version of you. No one is good. No one seeks after God. Everyone's throat is an empty grave. How could you think that you have anything to offer God? You have nothing to offer God. And that is the beginning of having pride shrivel up at the root. That's digging down deep, finding out where am I prideful. And you can trace it all the way down. You find your anxiety. And you say, this thing, God, the God says, don't be anxious about anything, but in all things by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to him. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray, pray, pray. That's not going to work. You have pride that's making you anxious. you got to go all the way down. Why are you anxious? Because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Why are you worried about tomorrow? Because I need to know, should I invest this? Should I buy this? Should I go here? Should I do that? Should I exercise today? Like if the world's going to end in one month from now, let's say 30 days, we got a clock. God puts it in the clouds. Boom. World's going to end. How many of you are going to the gym? Seriously. Not one except Bree. Brie will go to the gym, whatever. She's an addict. That's a different issue. How many of you are going to get your Whataburger and you're like, I want the double stack of bacon, peanut butter, in and out five guys, whichever burger, put peanut butter, bacon, just jelly, Crisco on it. Ah! How many of you are finally going to go pull out your life savings and you're going to buy that bottle of non-alcoholic beverages you've wanted for 10 years? How many of you are going to be honest to some people. You're like, I've had something to say to that guy. How many of you are going to go wild? You're going to go to your enemy and just smack him like a comic strip. Boom, pow, bang, pop. See, we live in this very conditional world, and we have this beast in the basement. If you want to, for example, get rid of anxiety, put it into perspective. Who's in control? God's in control. If I'm being anxious, does that mean that I've taken that part of God's job description and I've given it to me? No, I believe I'm in control. Yes, most anxious people believe they are in control on some level when we are wildly not. Most people who have struggles with lust or, or have been involved in affairs, they, they're pursuing pleasure as their greatest source. 
because maybe they crave the acceptance of a person that they're not getting accepted by at home. So you follow the route. Where does this acceptance, why do I want to be accepted? God created us to be accepted by him. Then we've tried to be accepted by others. It's a pride thing because we're, we're made to be in relationship with God and instead we take this job description and we say, no, other people are made to be in relationship with me. And that's why we use people. That's why we use people as stepping stones instead of seeing them for the image of God bears that they are. You can go on and on with every one of these sins. They all root down to pride where we've taken a part of God's job description and we've said, it's now mine. Where this gets tricky in the church is this. We say, ah, I'm giving up pride. I'm dying to myself. Christ lives in me. When I said, how many of you can say that you are holy? Only one person raised their hand. We are holy not because of how amazing or unamazing you are. It's irregardless to me. We're, We're holy because of what Jesus has done for us. Amanda, you are holy, perfect, flawless. Even with your song selection, you, you're holy before God. Brett, Amanda's husband, you are holy. There is nothing in unholy about you. If you say, yes, there is something unholy about me, then what you're saying is that Christ isn't in you. Because if Christ is in you, then you are holy. Well, what about this? What about the sin I have? Then what about the sin I'm going to do? Yes. Do you think Jesus was like, oh, no, I didn't see that one coming. I saved you on October 2020. Didn't realize that November 2020, you'd still be sinning. God knew and knows and sees all and says, that's why I sent Jesus to die for you, to make you holy this much. But we just are so addicted to, and I I can prove it. If I asked you who are the holiest people you know, you can rank them in your mind, Christians. You all just did it. Who's the holiest person you know? And all of you start going through somebody. Who were you thinking of? You were like both nodding. Who's the whole, who are some of the holy people you know? Yeah, you. You were thinking of Jesse? You guys are in a fake marriage. <laughs> Who's the holiest? I'm just kidding. Who's the holiest person you know? You were thinking of R.C. Sproul maybe. Piper, the two guys, one dead, one alive. Isn't it amazing that I could say, let me think of the holiest people I know. Now, here's the only caveat. I have to know that they're in Christ Jesus, that their faith is in him. And that's 100% holiness, even though they may look like a garbage fire going down the street with their life. Their accounting may be off. They may have terrible addictions they're going through. Jesse's 100% holy. Like, who are, who are the holiest people I know? I know Jesse's holy. I know Don's holy. I know the Rochers are holy. I know the Seelys are holy. I know Jay's holy because he goes to Band of Brothers. And if you go to Band of Brothers, you get an extra closer to Jesus. See what I just did? I just did this. Well, if you missed a Sunday, do you go back down and then God gives you a flat tire on Monday? No. If you go down, does God love you a little bit less? He can't love you less because he can't love his son less. And he can't love you more because he can't love his son more. And if you are dead to yourself, then you have nothing else to prove. And this is where the gospel needed to be preached to Belshazzar. This is where the gospel needs to be preached to you and I. The gospel just means good news, euangelion. It's a, it's a word back in the time of Christ. They would actually say, uh, uh, like we, we, say, we call it good news. And they would have decrees that says, Caesar says this, it's good news. Here's the good news that frees you. And here, here's how it frees you from pride. And I hope that just one person, one person can take this freedom journey You no longer have to prove your worth because Jesus is your worth. This applies to how you work or don't work, how you sin or don't sin. 
well, pastor, are you telling me that I can just sin and God will love me? I'm telling you that if we're not preaching the gospel on that fine edge, if we're not getting people to ask the Romans 6 question, because when Paul preached this good news of Jesus, that it's all about Jesus, it's not about you, they said, so what do we just do? Do we just go on sinning? And Paul says, by no means. Don't be an idiot. All of our vertical consequences for sin are all done and paid for. Guess what happens if you sin in this life? Because God has hardwired the world. Your life can still be a train wreck. You can still get diseases. You can still have broken relationships. You can still go to jail. You can still die if you do stupid, sinful things. So don't suffer these horizontal consequences just because we're freed vertically before God. I want you to have a life that God has created for us to have. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. You're worthy. Like Jesus is enough. If you do nothing else for the rest of your life, the people that don't like that are religious people. That's why Jesus told the parable about the workers. Some workers got there in the morning and they worked all day. Some got there at noon and they worked half the day. Some got there at the last hour and they worked one hour. And when they went to get their paychecks, the master paid them all the same. And the workers that were there all day said, why do they get more? And the workers that were there for the last hour were like, yeah, baby. If you don't think those workers are sinful, you're out of your mind. You show up, get a whole day's wage, look at the other guys. And I, it's like a middle brother move where you snicker over the shoulder of the boss. <laughs> I got all the money. This is why Jesus told that parable because he knows religious people exist around him. And he's saying, look, this is how grace works. You get all that I have to offer on my timing for free, kicking and dragging and screaming. We should be grateful that God drags us kicking and screaming from our sin into the new kingdom of God. But we, we still are stuck in this thing because we want to prove our worthiness. Because Belshazzar said, you have been weasure, measured and weighed and you're found wanting. Sorry, I added a movie line after that. You have all been measured and weighed. Apart from Christ, death. In Christ, holy. I don't care what you do or don't do. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are holy. The religious addiction in this room is saying this, yes, but if you are truly in Christ, then you will. If in Christ or if Christ in you, then you will read the Bible. Then you will pray. Then you will do this. I'm here to tell you that if you're in Christ, period, that's it. Do I have to read the Bible? No. Do I as a human recommend it? Yes. That's like having a kid and you get all these supplies like a crib. And like what I did with one of the four, uh, do I need the instructions to put the crib together? No. Is it a good idea to read them? Probably so my child doesn't murder themselves in, the, in the sleep. Is it a good idea to read what to expect before you're expecting? Well, not if you're a cynic because that book made me depressed. Is it good to, to know what you're doing? Like, is it good that I should have asked somebody, like, how do I change a girl's diaper before I had a daughter? I had no idea. That's why I got chastised by the nurse. You don't wipe that way. You go front to back. And I was like, all I've had was brothers and boys. It was just like a wipe till it's gone situation. No, the rule is this. I was like, why? Infection. I was like, oh, no. And then I'm thinking of marriage. Like that day, I'm thinking this girl's going to marry someone. I'm going to kill someone one day. I'm just up and down this ladder. Do you want to read the Bible? I, I hope so. Do you have to, to be loved by God? No. Do you not realize that for the, ma the majority of Christian history, there were no personal Bibles? That's a big problem for people who are saying you have to read the Bible. Up until like the last few hundred years, people didn't have personal Bibles. 
What, what happened to all those poor souls? They must have really stunk. You know, those poor guys who preached to 5,000 people without microphones. Or those guys who started a reformation and peeled away from the Catholic Church because they were stuffing religion down people's throats and lives. Like that guy? Well, didn't Martin Luther have a Bible? Yeah. After he wrote it himself, he translated it from the original so he could have a Bible to read. And we're just here thinking and judging. Some of you are judging me right now. I don't think these are Christian things that you're saying. Read the Bible for yourself. That's all I got to say. Lose your life to find it. Take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Because if Jesus is your everything, then he is all the things that you need. You need nothing of yourself. Well, it says follow Jesus. Yes, I'm literally following Jesus. I'm following Jesus like a grumpy middle-aged pastor. I don't want to do that, God. That's uncomfortable. It's hot outside. And God's thinking, every time you talk back to me, my percentile of love goes down. No. You see, the gospel says that we no longer need to live for the acceptance of, that we crave in others, being liked by others, loved by others, because we are accepted fully, completely, based on what Jesus lived, died, and was raised from. from. Like, there's nothing. If everyone leaves you, if everyone forsakes you, you have someone in Christ. You can have a relationship with Christ where he would never will. You no longer have to hide your faults and failures. Jesus paid for them in full. The things that we want to hide from people, and we all, I do it. I'm guessing that you do it. We don't want people to see the darker side of us. And if you don't believe me, like, try this experiment. If you're married, um, have your spouse air some dirty laundry next time you have friends over. See how you feel. No. You'd have that talk later on. I can't believe you'd say that in front of them. Or if you're a student here, Go to school and, and just tell someone something you've been doing wrong. Like when I was in school, this is how awkward it would have been. I would walk up to a girl and said, just so you know, I've thought about you in some very inappropriate ways. Guaranteed, never get that date ever. It's done. Like you don't have to go into detail, but just say, I've, I've done this to you. It'd be like, you creep, get out of here. In Christ, we don't have to put on. It doesn't mean we just go vomiting all over people we don't know. Ah, here's all I did. Ah, this is my life. What it means is that we can... With those in our circles, we don't have to hide anymore. This is how you defeat pride. You lay everything on the table of the cross and you say, I don't have to hide because Jesus accepts me as I am and, and I believe he's put his spirit, the spirit of Christ is in my wife. So if I sh speak to her, share with her, I'm trusting the spirit of God in her will not throw me out of the room. I'm trusting that if my kids see my stupid things, that, that the spirit of Christ is in them so that they won't be like, I can't believe my dad would do that. I hear that in churches a lot. I can't believe they would fill in the blank. How could they fill in the blank? I want us to put down our pride here in this family. Put down our pride on Facebook, on TikTok, on Instagram, wherever you are, Snapchat. Put down your pride. When you see that post that you must just, you have to comment on because it's in your blood to comment on it. You can just say, how can I serve this person today and pray for them? Well, what if no one stands up for freedom? Then we won't be free. My friend, you are freer than anyone has ever been in the history of the world because you have Christ in you. For freedom, Christ has set us free. No government can take my freedom away. If I were in Australia right now and they were throwing me in a, one of those new camps they have, I'm still just as free as I am right here in America, about to go eat two packs of ramen and raise my blood pressure. If you take away all of my guns that I lost in a boating accident a few years ago, um, I'm just as free. 
Sorry, that's just a joke for the NRA people. No one owns guns anymore, apparently. They all lost them. If I have a billion dollars in the bank, or if I overdrafted 50 bucks yesterday, I'm just as free. Well, but you can't do all the things, or what about this? That I'm, I'm so free, it's, it's almost unfazing. At this point, I'm, I'm gonna go home and take a nap. Tomorrow I'm gonna wake up, answer all the emails from angry people, pay for things, but I'm so free, I don't have any stress about it. My wife will ask me from time to time, like, you just don't stress enough. And she used to say, I wish you would like worry more, stress more about this. I'm like, I, God's gonna take care of it. What's the line to that song? I'm picking a song that Amanda likes. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joys shall never end. I will fly away. I can live with that peace now, knowing that it's totally secured for me in Jesus. He's already paid for it, gotten the key, given me the key, and I'm free, and you're free if you just admit that you've been taking pages out of God's job description and pasting them on yours and say, I gotta stop doing that, and I gotta be who God has made me to be instead. A man, a woman, a student who loves others, who pours out, who doesn't think about just me, me all the time. There's more verses I would encourage you to read in the Bible app event, um, ways to put away pride. And they have some practical things. Do them or don't. You are loved if your faith is in Christ, that Christ truly paid for you on the cross and rose again. Let's pray. Father, Jesus Church is going to be so happy with me today. Um, pride, it just wants to eat at me. Pride wants, pride wants us, Lord, to climb this ladder and your grace shakes this ladder furiously, trying to get us to fall. But Lord, some people will only fall off this spiritual ladder when you shake it so hard that it tips over, and that's when big things are revealed. I pray that instead of waiting for you to shake this ladder, Lord, that your gospel of grace would teach us how to walk off the ladder and walk away from self-focus, walk away from self-praise, walk away from the self-esteem movement of the 80s, Lord, let us have Jesus-centered esteem. Let us know who we are and how loved we are and how holy we are because of you, not because of us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you